You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. Well, it is Throwback Thursday, and that can only mean one thing. Rabbi Jeff Adler of Messianic Congregation Sha'arei Yeshua now to join us and take a look back at the Old Testament. So important that we understand the Old Testament in order that we can understand the New Testament. Good morning to you, Jeff. How are you? Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Eric. How are you guys? Well, we are doing just fine, man. Thank you so much for getting up and joining us and bringing us through Deuteronomy 12. Tell us a little bit about, before we dive deep into it, uh, Deuteronomy 12. What are we What are we looking at here? This uh, The heading that I have in my Bible says that it outlines the Lord's chosen place of worship. What does that mean for us? Well, you know... Uh, what, what, one of the one of the touchstone words of our culture these days is diversity. Uh, everybody kind of doing what what you know what he sees fit, what he feels. Um, you know, our, our our culture has the idea that there are many paths up the mountain. It doesn't matter really which path you take; they all lead to the same peak. And uh, it, you know, so it, you know, doesn't matter which, which which one you take. Scriptural message. Is 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 not like that at all, and some people resent it because the scriptures say things like Shema Yisrael Eloheinu Echad, Deuteronomy six four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Or hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you shall have no other gods before me. And and and. Uh, Yeshua said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the, the apostles said, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men where my, whereby we must be saved. So the scriptures are very ex- exclusive. And some people accuse, accuse the Bible of, of, of saying, well, you know, we're just trying to exclude people. And that's not actually the intent of God at all. God knows that so many of the paths up the mountain don't go to the peak, they go off a cliff somewhere. And many people are on the wrong mountain. So so, so God wants people to make sure, he, you know, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Ezekiel 33 says, God takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. And, and so he, he's not trying to exclude people. He wants things to be so clear that nobody misses the boat. Anyone who wants to can find the truth because, uh, and God, God told my forefathers in, in the Torah portion for, for the, 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 this week, for instance, in uh, Exodus 19, to have called you to be uh, a, 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 a peculiar people to me. And uh, you know, not 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 peculiar in the way it's strange, but since since means a personal people to God, uh, have a special special relationship with Him, and so this chapter this chapter actually advances that idea, and so you know, here God knew that Israel was headed to a land where there were all kinds of cultures and all kinds of of idols and all kinds of gods and all kinds of ways 
and when mankind goes his own way and chooses his own way, it resulted in things like uh, burning their children alive in the fire. As a matter of fact, um, you read through you read through the historical books and the prophets. Uh, there were kings who burnt their children in the fire. Yeah. So they made it says they made their children pass through the fire, um, which means they sacrificed and they threw them alive into a fire. I mean, you know, how cruel is that? Um, and so, and so, uh, that so God addresses that here. He says, "These are the statutes and ordinances that you are to make sure to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You must utterly destroy all the places where the nations that you will di- dispossess serve their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. You are to tear down their altars." smash their pillars, burn their Asherah poles in the fire, and cut down the carved images of their gods, and you are to uh, obliterate their name from that place. That, And the reason, you know, what God had told Abraham in, in Genesis 15, that, um, that his descendants were going to be slaves in a foreign land, a country not their own, for 400 years, he said, afterwards they will come out because the iniquity of the Amorite was not yet full, and that um, that God was allowing the people of the peoples of Canaan four hundred years years to to repent. He knew they wouldn't, but that they had developed idolatry leads to practices that are so vile that even though God loves people, he does not he does not enjoy enjoy judging. Um, he does it. For, for the sake of, of the, the rest of the world. And so that's what had happened to, 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 the, to the Canaanites. They, they were so vile. Um, J- Jonathan Kahn has written a book that came out. He got it all done on the, on the 24th of June. It's called The Return of the Gods. And in that book, he talks about the fact that, uh, that, that the, the, the ancient gods of, of, the, of the world, ba- Baal, Ashtoreth, and so on, involved practices that were so vile. And he said that even though the gods themselves were not gods, there were demonic forces behind them. And, and that and they 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 led people down down, down a path and, and one of the things that Jonathan talks about in that book is those kinds of spirits, those kinds of practices have been released in, into the United States. And so we're seeing those very same practices, abortion and and, and, and sexual perversions and so on that were that were part of the practice of these pagan gods and so so God God said when you get in, into the land don't involve yourselves with those wipe out those 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 shrines and so he goes on he says you are in verse in, in verse uh, verse four you are not to act like this toward Adonai or the Lord your God Rather, you are to seek only the place the Lord your God chooses from all your tribes to put his name to dwell. Again, <laughs> I said, that's God's intent. That, that's God's, in, that's, that's God, God's intent. When he first gave Moses the instructions for the, the tabernacle, he made the statement. He said, V'shechanti batocham, and I will dwell among you. Yeshua said to his disciples, very, very famous quote from John 14, he said, 
he, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And God's ultimate expression of love for us is, 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 is presence. So the camp of Israel had all the tribes scattered around with the house of the Lord, the tent of the Lord in, in, in the center. Because God, the whole, the whole imagery is God the Father dwelling among, among, among his children. And so Messiah said, and it's such a statement, God could have said, I forgive you, but stay away from me. Yeah. You know, the ultimate statement is that he loves us and he wants to be, wants us around him. Yes. And so uh, he says, he says, there you are to bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes, the offering of your hand, your vows and free will offerings and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And then he says this. Notice the statement, verse 7. There you and your households will eat before Adonai your God and rejoice. (laughs) Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. God wants us to, to understand the joy of having a relationship with him, of being reconciled to our father. I remember when, when I was a kid, um, the, the, there were there were times when I'm sure my dad was not so pleased with me, but he he would but I would do anything. He he would say from time to time, "Son, I'm so proud of you." I would do anything to hear my dad say that to me. I would I, I, that just was like to me the biggest thrill of my of my day. Yeah, you know, my yeah. dad were to say, you know, "Son, I'm I'm proud of you." I, I would enjoy being around my dad and the fact that he wanted he wanted to be around me and he was so, he had so many things going in his life but he wanted to spend time with me and people don't realize that God wants wants us to rejoice Paul said the joy of the uh, said, said rejoice in the Lord always again I say it, rejoice and so th- that that's what this place is that that's God's intent by making a relationship with him so exclusivistic, it is because he wants us to rejoice. And so he says, there you and your households will eat before Adonai your God. Eating in the ancient world was a way, we still do it now, when people are going to have a Super Bowl party on, on Sunday, they'll get together and they'll celebrate, they'll use it as an excuse to celebrate. And so we have Fourth of July and Memorial Day, those things often involve sharing of meals and so on. And, and so that the, the peace offerings were actually uh, opportunities for the people who brought them. They were atonement sacrifices, but they were, they were, they were feasts. The people would come and they would actually eat. There was a portion of, of the sacrifice that was, that was reserved for the people to eat. This whole sense was they were feasting before the Lord. As a matter of fact, uh, almost, all the, almost all the festivals of the Bible include food there's a there's a there's a historic jewish um a historic jewish joke about about the, the about the feast like passover and so on because so many of them uh are are observances of of victories where god saved us from from destruction and so the joke is three statements 
They tried to to kill us. We won. Let's eat. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> that's right. And so here, God wants us to to um, to to celebrate. And then verse eight says, you, "You you will not do all the things that you are doing here today. Everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. That's our culture. Yeah, you know everybody everybody does." what he thinks is right. And God says, listen, I, I want you, I created you, you know, Psalm 37, four, delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the Mishalot, the, the, the prayers actually of your heart. Um, God, God has the highest aspirations for us. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to have peace, but the only way, only way we can have it. Is is, is 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 getting in, into line with his word and his, his calling. It says, for you have not yet come to the resting place and the inheritance that Adonai your God is giving you. So he says, keep that in mind. I've got great things when you cross the border, when you cross the Jordan, when you get into the land of promise. This is what you've been. This is what. This is what you've been focused on. This is. This is what you've been dreaming of all the time. You've been wandering. You pass through the through the Red Sea. You experience uh, that uh, my power to give you manna out of thin air. I, I I defeated enemies that were stronger than you. Gave. Brought you water from the rock. He said. You, your, your, your shoes didn't wear out. Your clothes didn't wear out. I protected you. I will, and, and the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. I'm going to give you this land. Don't mess it up by, by trusting in some other God. And so he, he, he told them to destroy the, the Bamot, the high places. Those were the shrines where, 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 where the pagans uh, sacrificed to their gods. And so God... God here mandates, so when you get into the new land, I'm going to set aside a place, and I want you to bring all, all your, your sacrifices there. It points down, points down the road to the day um, when, when, when the Messiah would, would come. God, it, it is a way of, of, again, saying, I've got one way, and you don't have to worry. There's no chance for confusion. All you have to do is turned to my way. Again, Yeshua said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but, but through me. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you read through it, by the way, four times in this chapter, four times God tells them, bring all your sacrifices. And he, he, he keeps going out. Your, your peace offerings, your burnt offerings, your your vows, your votive offerings and sacrifices, uh, bring them to that place all the time. Again, pointing at, of course, eventually he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem, and, and that eventually the Messiah is going to come there. The Messiah is going to lay down his life, and the 53rd chapter of Isaiah says, He, Messiah, will be wounded, for our rebellions, for the strongest sins that you can do. Uh, he, he will be wounded for our for our, 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 our transgressions. He'll be crushed for our guilt. The punishment that will lead to our well-being will fall upon him, and by his stripes we will we we, we will be healed. And then verse eleven says, 
that God will see the suffering of his soul and be satisfied. That statement is not made of anybody else. That's the unique way. That, that's God's unique way. And so sadly, sadly, as you read through the historical books and so on, you find it, and the prophets, it will describe these kings. And, and, and the kings so often, it says that even when a king was a good king, the people continued to sacrifice in the Bamot, in the high places, those local shrines, because they didn't want to do it God's way. And God is so gracious. And, 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 and the potential, you know, it, if, if, you go to, if you go to 1 Kings 8, um, when, Solomon, when Solomon built the temple and, and, and he moved all the, all the furniture, the ark, and all that stuff into the the, the, the uh, temple. In in verse ten, it says, "Now when the Kohanim of the priests came out of the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of Adonai." You know, I. Uh, you know, now, the temple was a, a unique place. It was a unique time. Um, but I think, you know, when we do things God's way, we want the presence of the Lord. Uh, you know, there there is a promise. There's a promise in Numbers uh, chapter 6, which says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and grant you your shalom. Those are the kinds of things that we want. When the, when the, when the Hebrew text talks about the presence of God, the Hebrew word used there, usually translated presence, is the word, is the word face, panim. And, and, and it is the face. Obviously, the Lord's always around. He's everywhere. Uh, he doesn't exist in creation. Creation exists in him. Um, but the, the face of the Lord, having the Lord face us, having the Lord, having the, that, that blessing talks about God giving us his full attention. What a way to live life knowing I'm in the full attention of, of the Lord. Just pointing out numbers, the blessing, the ironic blessing, and you know the face of God, who we are seeing here. We're talking about the face of God being present. This is the God who loves us. He's asking his people to worship him in one place, not inclusive of everything around them, the Canaanites and their policies, practices, and and he's just asking us to follow his word and his desires in our life because they are better than anything that we can come up with. Jeff, where does that leave us now in our understanding of God if he if he loves us so? Why is it so difficult for us to follow along what he's asking? Well, you know, his ways are not difficult. It's our stubbornness. Uh, you know, I, I mean, ever since, ever since the garden, We've been saying, God, I want to do it my way. Uh, I, this morning in, in my quiet time, I was reading about Ahaz, the, 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 the king of, of Judah, the father of Hezekiah, and how he saw, he saw an altar, a pagan, a pagan altar on a state, state visit to Damascus. And so he made a copy of it to a, to a, a pagan god. 
he had it he had it placed near next to he had it, he moved the altar of burnt sacrifice God's altar uh, he moved that and then he, he put he put his altar in, in its place and he was involved in, in the occult we just really we just have this idea that our ways are 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 better than than God's ways and and uh, you know Rabbi Paul w- w- warns us that if we if we keep rebelling, God gives us up to a reprobate mind. God told Noah, my, my, day, my, my spirit will not always strive with man, but his days will be 100, 120 years. And God gave man a century and a fifth to repent, and it didn't, and then, then, then came the flood. I think, I think the ultimate thing here, uh, if we go to Ezekiel 11, uh, it says, you know the glory of the Lord, that that cloud that we talked about in First Kings eight, uh, had been over the the temple and before that the the tabernacle uh, for centuries, and and uh, and so. But after a while, the people had become, you know, they'd they'd been very blasé about this brilliant cloud, this bright glory that lit up all of Jerusalem. But then we come to Ezekiel eleven. And it says, then the, then the cherubim lifted up their wings, the wheels were, were, were beside them. The glory of the God of Israel was over them from above. And the glory of the Lord went up from within the city and then stood still on the mountain that is to the east of, of the city. What it meant, it moved away. It moved away. It had been in chapter 9, chapter 10. It had been been shifting. It moved from over the Holy of Holies to the threshold of the temple, and now it moved across the valley and hovered over the Mount of, of Olives. And the thing was very clear that was the, the 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 message is that God didn't want to go, that He was reluctant to go. Rabbinic sources say that the glory hovered over the Mount of Olives for three and a half years because uh, God didn't want to go. God loves us so much. We don't understand. God grieves over the fact that we rebel, and we and the result is so much pain. And, and to not have the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. People debate about what, what what is it that makes someone Jewish? Is it a culture? Is it a religion? What, what whatever the thing that is most that 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 is most distinctive about the, about Israel's call as the chosen people is the relationship with God, the presence of God, the face of God, the scriptures of God, and, and non-Jewish people who b- believe in Jesus have been grafted into that. And, and, and that's what God wants. And yet the result is we often live a life devoid and void of the, of the glory of God, the presence of God, the full, all the blessing that God has for us. And it's so uh, unnecessary. It's because the heart is deceitful, Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know? We lie to ourselves. Yeah. Not only does our heart lie to God, we lie to ourselves and to each other. We're good at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, get, we, get, we, we get the gold medal. Yeah, we definitely do. We definitely do. Mm-hmm. You know, but that is we deceive ourselves and, you know, we do allow others around us to deceive us. I mean, that is the original fall right there. But, you know, how do we combat that, Jeff, in our daily life? How do we come away with a true dedication to the Lord? I mean, 
you know, we say we can practice spiritual discipline, we can keep God first in our mind, all of those things. But really, when rubber hits the road, it it becomes very difficult. And and part of our our issue is the stubbornness. How do we really put him front and center? I think it starts with reading the scriptures, you know, and meditating on it. The first psalm says, Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of those who have missed the mark. That, that's, the, that's the meaning of the, the most generic word for sin. Uh, nor sit in the seat or dwell in the dwelling of the scoffer. And if you read, if, if, you know, you, 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 you notice there's a progression there. We start off, we walk in a, be- we walk in a bad path, then we come to a standstill, and then we make that our, our home. Instead, his delight is in Torah of the Torah of the Lord, the, the law of the Lord, although I think the word Torah actually means instruction. I think he's talking about more than just the five books of Moses or the commandments. He's talking about all of the scriptures. His delight is in the instruction of the Lord, and in his instruction he meditates day and night, because he'll be like a tree firmly planted beside streams of water, who brings forth his fruit in the season, his leaf also will not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. And the, the word, the word ha, that verb haga to meditate, actually means to mutter or muse. It doesn't mean we sit on the bus and make strange noises. What that means is, is that we, we interact. We, we don't just read it and say, well, I did that. I fulfilled my, my religious obligation. I read a verse or something, but we interact with it, allow the Spirit of God to continue to speak. We ask Him, Lord God, what does this mean? How do I apply it? There are new applications every day, and I tell our folks, as much as I try to make sure that whatever I teach them from the Scriptures is true to the Scriptures in their context, they can't. their eternal soul is too precious to depend on just me. They need to read the scriptures for themselves. They need to know. So if I go off the rails somewhere, um, you know, they're still safe. I mean, you know, Jeremiah speaks in vase against the false prophets, you know, but the fact is Israel and Israel and Judah were not exempted from the judgment because they said, um, because they said, well, bad prophets came and told us bad stuff or bad pastors. Um, uh, because God expected them from from from, from Deut- Deuteronomy six, He says these words which I, which I command you this day shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall speak of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. God was telling them that they needed every 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 person, not just the nation, each each person had the need to personally interact with, 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 God, with God's Word. The prophet Hosea said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That didn't mean they couldn't read or write. What it meant was they didn't know God. And, uh, you know, I think some of the most tragic words Messiah that told about in the last days, people will come up to him and say, didn't we do all these religious things? He'll say, depart from me, I never knew, knew you. And the, the Hebraic concept for knowing means intimacy. It means personal, detailed, relational knowledge. 
not not just cognitive data stored in our in, stored in our heads. Yeah. So, so vitally important, and that is probably the most fearful words I say in the English language, depart from me. I never knew you. Jeff, uh, we've got to put a bow on this and wrap things up, but thank you so much for walking us through this this morning. What a gentle reminder it is that uh, we can't rely on the things of culture around us or any other thing. We need to rely on what God says is good for us and follow in that way and then accept that blessing. You know, just like you said, it's not God's plan that's the trouble. It's us and our ability and our willingness to actually cooperate with it. But I find that when you do cooperate, life is just so much better. Can I ask you to wrap us up in in a prayer, please? Sure. Let let, let me say the the blessing from number Yes. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmorecha. Pardon me, let let me just back up before I... Uh, this is, people often tend to close their eyes and bow their heads. It's actually not a prayer. It's God speaking to us. So like each person to receive it as a wor- word from God, yes. uh, from his, his scripture. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmorecha. Ye'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichomecha. Yisa Adonai panavalecha v'yisem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and grant you shalom, peace and well-being. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, the Administrator, the, the Prince of Peace of Well-Being. Amen. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the Word to Life.